Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So now Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred says that he's not optimistic there will be baseball in 2020 and called that possibility a disaster. What's changed and when will the posturing stop? And could this be uh, worse than the 94 season when baseball didn't even play a World Series? We're talking all about the state of baseball with Mark Topkin, the Rays beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get to Mark here in just a minute, a um, little bit of news uh, on some fronts. The Bucks coaching staff returned to the Advent Healthcare Center for the first time in months. And that happened on uh, Monday. So um, saw pictures that the Bucks released of, what was it, uh, Bruce Arians. And I believe I saw Todd Bowles. Of course, it's hard to recognize guys because they're all wearing a mask, right? So You didn't have to crawl through the mud and the ponds and up in trees nope. to get pictures of those? Nope. And it wasn't, wasn't from a high helicopter. I mean, it was, these were ground-level shots taken by the Bucks own uh, social media team. But, um, yeah, they're back in the building, which is, hey, it's been, I mean – what it's got, it had to have been about three, three, four, three and a half months since these guys were together. Well, I mean, sports uh, shut down three months ago last week, March, I mean, March thirteenth, right? Yeah. March eleventh was the last day that we had That's sporting right. events. Really, March twelfth, everyone canceled. The B- Big East played a half of a tournament, uh, Big East tournament game on the the twelfth. That's but, right. Uh, for the most part, it was the eleventh that Rudy Gobert got diagnosed, and uh, the sports mm-hmm. world shut down within twenty four hours. Right. Now, the interesting thing is that uh, Arians and those guys, I guess, are only going to be there together for about a week or so, and then they're going to go back out, and, and the next time that they'll reconvene will probably be with players, they hope, at least at this point, somewhere around July 15th, whether that takes place as a quarterback camp or school. Uh, rookie orientation will happen, and then uh, July, I want to say the 21st, is um, slated for uh, maybe the 23rd is slated for the start of training camp. All of that, of course, is subject to what goes on with this virus, which is spiking in many other cities as people get back together in various states, including Florida, where the cases are up. So you have to wonder about that. I did see um, several reports on uh, NFL Network and other places that uh, there was a conference called DeMora Smith, the head of the NFLPA. Um, some others were talking about you know, discussing some of the protocols that will occur as they ramp through these phases and head towards training camp. I guess there's a belief, at least, that that players will be tested uh, and coaches and, and staff um, three times a week. And they, they expect there to be a 90% chance, they put it at now, that there will be a saliva test uh, available and developed uh, by that time. And that, that, of course, would be much, much less evasive and easier to administer than what they have now with the swabs. Um, so I think if, 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 you know, the technology ramps up on the testing like that, um, certainly you could create, uh, a, a fairly, you know, healthy environment and look, they're still going to have issues. There's still going to be players. I mean, the, the real, the real question is what happens when you do have a player who tests positive. Um, and you know, like, uh, for example, Ezekiel Elliott did, 
just the other day it was revealed, uh, much to his disappointment, but it was revealed that he had tested positive for Well, wasn't his agent the one commenting on it? I mean... Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I, and he's got a big HIPAA problem, too, because you're not supposed to give up medical evidence. But not that aside, I mean, you know, th- then you got to get into tracing, right? Who is he, who is he around? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the whole thing is sort of in practice. Like, I was reading some of the things. Oh, I think we discussed this a while back, how... You know, the, the the intent is to put lockers six feet apart. I mean, there's virtually no way to do that. And it's kind of disingenuous anyway is that, you know, these guys are going to go out there and pound each other and sweat all over each other and, and, you know, with spit flying for two hours during practice. But then when they come to the locker room and take off those, you know, sweaty clothes, they need to be six feet apart so they don't let any particles fly. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and I'm not – suggesting they shouldn't follow some protocols but the you know the bucks have one of the biggest facilities in the nfl and if you move those lockers six feet apart and have 90 players you're going to need a new building there's just not enough room and that's a giant room that they operate in um but but you know in the facility in in order to protect all the employees including people in the cafeteria staff and you know secretaries and front office people and you know uh anyone from the receptionist to the to the trainer uh, makes sense to wear a mask when you're in the building, that sort of thing, and I I would expect that. Um, but you know, they they got a lot of a lot to work through, as do a lot of sports, and, and not the least of which is baseball, which we'll get to here in just a minute. But um, had to be weird because you know, coaches, football coaches in particular, are the types. I learned this a long time ago um, when I started covering the NFL and really college football before that. Is that, um, and this has sort of shifted a little bit, but. Not totally. The one thing that coaches feel like they can control is effort. You know, like they're, they're, and they'll tell players this too. It's like, look, you might, you know, you might not be the most talented guy. You might, but you know, you can control your effort. And if you give me everything you got, and and I think there are, there are many insecure uh, coaches out there that feel as if, well, I don't know if I'm as good as Bill Belichick, but I know he can't outwork me if I vir- virtually sleep at the stadium, you know, and work incredible hours, and and uh, and I'm here all the time. And what they've come to find out when everybody had to leave the buildings was they waste a lot of time. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you think about it, you waste time just driving to and from the building, to be honest with you. And then there's the natural interruptions you get when you have a bunch of people, you know, stopping by your office and wanting to go to lunch and things. It's just easier and, and, and you're more, you use better efficient uh, efficiency with your time uh, when you're away from there sometimes. But so I think that that's, that's been an interesting thing, but for football coaches not to be in the same room together, um, you know, these guys literally haven't really probably laid eyes on each other for, for months and months. Um, and, and Oh, by the way, you think they have anything to talk about, you know, with TB 12 and all of that. So I'm sure they were excited to get back, uh, get back to work. There are some, um, sports that are going to begin to open up as we know, one that apparently is going to play their season in Florida might be one of the first to open up is the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? They're, they're headed to, uh, what, IMG, I guess, maybe. That means uh, three leagues will be in Florida to start uh, playback. MLS will be at the Wide World of Sports over at Disney. That's right. The NBA will be there, too, and the WNBA is going to be at IMG Academy. So It's going to be interesting to have, to have the MLS and the NBA. It's going to be, it reminds me of Bucks training camp when it was over there in a weird way because it was just – it was like this – this vortex of crazy sports going on 24 seven, you would walk in and they had, uh, it's now renamed something else to whoever sponsors it, but we called it the milk house for lack of a better term. You had the big arena, not big, but an arena, a gymnasium, if you will, for basketball. And they played all their AAU tournaments there. Right. 
And so there would be all the basketball dudes and girls walking in, AAU travel ball, they're all playing there, right? And and then you had um, soccer tournaments going on in the fields adjacent to where the Bucks were. So you had literally, you know, tens of soccer fields and hundreds of players with their moms and dads and, and youth soccer was going on. So it was a bizarre sight where you'd see, you know, NFL people from the Buccaneers, whether that was coaches or even players at times, kind of walking through a crowd that would also include college basketball coaches like Mike Shashevsky and, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, really, it was it was a bizarre thing to, you know, to watch, uh, you know, uh, John Calipari and, you know, all these guys at Disney. Um, and th- there go the soccer moms and the dads and, the, you know, and the kids running. They don't know who these people are. And it's like, man, you, you, you can't walk three steps without bumping into somebody important. Uh, and so can you imagine there being MLS and the NBA <laughs> of all things, uh, especially with the number of teams that are going to be there? That's really going to be quite the uh, quite the show. If you get inside those ropes, that would be fun. Um, the other thing uh, that's going on, this was an interesting story too. Uh, and, and I want to get your opinion on this because I, I kind of have mixed emotions about it. But Ohio State, you see that they're going to welcome their football players back here at some point. But apparently they're going to make their players sign waivers um, saying that if they get uh, COVID, uh, that they, they, won't, you know, they won't hold the school or the university liable. Uh, for that situation. How do you feel about that? I'm torn because, you know, I, I get where Ohio State's coming from with it. And, yeah. and I suppose every player, you know, I guess if you're going to make them sign a waiver, I guess you'd have to say if, they cho- if they're not comfortable with it, are they still keeping their scholarship, but they just that's don't play? That's what I don't know. Yeah, that's what I don't know. Because um, on the one hand, you know, what 19, 20-year-old guy is going to feel like, hey, I don't feel safe right now. Um, or maybe you do feel safe, but you'd like to know you're protected if, in fact, you do catch it. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just simple, hey, I don't have great insurance. Um, I don't want to bring it home to my mom or my grandmother. So you got to take care of me the way you would take care of me if, for example, I blew my knee out. Um, you know, can you at least pick up these medical bills, which, you know, potentially, who knows what I'm gonna, how I'm going to – I mean, you know, that's the other thing, too, about football. I think people have to understand that the, as little as we know about this virus, we do know this – that if you're immune compromised in any way, and sometimes that could be diabetes, it could be type two, it could mm-hmm. be obesity. I got news for you. There's a lot of obese football players. There's a lot of guys that, um, you know, aren't in the greatest of shape, even though they're large men that can play football. Um, but they might be somehow susceptible or more susceptible to this disease. We know the African American community has been more susceptible and, and people of color at times. So there are things to worry about with these with these young athletes. Now, Ohio State's saying it's a pledge and it's it's about helping stopping the spread of COVID and what they're saying is it's going to help them enforce the social protocols and it's the players agreeing that will abide by the rules in that. Oh, okay. I mean, that's what that's how Ohio State's that's how they're positioning it. It's a pledge, not but, a waiver per se, but yeah. But with I mean, these are college kids you're not paying. Right, and I just, they're not yeah, a high I, risk group in general. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how much. I mean, with your scholarship offer, I mean, you may sign away a lot of those rights anyway with scholarships. I, I couldn't tell you that a hundred percent, but yeah, um, not that you signed it a hundred because players have sued before. But mm-hmm. you know, it is kind of interesting. But you know, they're they're positioning it as look, it's we're trying to get the players to buy into following the social protocols and mm-hmm. and all the the procedures we're putting in place to help 
help prevent the spread of it. And, and that's what you're signing. But, you know. I guess the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it depends on what all the lawyers make of this agreement and, and just what, what the ramifications are. I mean, we're, we're not lawyers, but I mean, if that's, you know, if, if, you're, if you're signing a pledge to, to try to abide by these protocols, sure, that makes sense. That protects everybody. By the same token, I would want some protection of my own if, if in fact, I end up with uh, hospitalization or medical bills and, you know, I mean, you're on scholarship. I and mean, what kid is not going to come to camp, right? What what 19, 20-year-old person um, whose education is paid for is going to say, yeah, I'm just not sure um, I'm up to this. So, Well, and at that age, you feel invincible anyway. Of course, yeah. And, and you're not going to think two, two seconds of it because you're the one that's out there on the beach with everybody. <laughs> so it doesn't seem to bother you in close quarters. Um, finally, and I want to get to this right before we get to Mark, and maybe we should do it with Mark, but um, – so what's this business now? I'm supposed to wrestle Tom Jones? Is that is that what's being requested here online? Well, there's apparently, and I don't, I I'm, I, I'm not read up completely, but Ted Cruz challenged mm-hmm. actor Ron Perlman to wrestle Jim Jordan after a feud okay. with Matt Getz. Okay. And so Tom Jones had well, tweeted, "I love the Onion." Wait, what? This is actually from the Hill. It's not the Onion. It's a real story. Yeah. yeah. So then yeah. Kevin tweeted uh, Tom, and he says, I dare you to wrestle Rick Stroud on the next podcast. Laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah, and I, re- I actually did see this, and I, re- I retweeted it and said that uh, we have a long practice social distancing. As you know, Steve, even though we spent every morning together for like five years, um, Tom and I, on, on radio, um, after you put us together, it was a little like it was a little like Golic and uh, and Greeny. Like we we would we would do the show and then we'd go our separate ways. I mean, I saw him at obviously we covered a lot of football games and we'd go to dinner on Saturday nights and things like that. But even though we've been friends for twenty five years, we've never really hung out socially, which might be why it works because I don't really talk to him. <laughs> I mean, I mean once in a while, it's kind of like, like marriage, you know. You know? He, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a meaningful dialogue when we have it because I really don't know how he feels about anything, and so. Um, that keeps it fresh. And, and when he comes on here or when we used to do the show, I wasn't always sure how he felt about certain things. And, um, you know, I like Tom and I, I like Patty and I, you know, we're, we're, we're separated by St. Petersburg and Lutz, which is quite a ways, but yeah, it's a, we've never really, we've always had a social distance. <laughs> so, um, so no, I will not wrestle him, even though I'd probably have about a, I don't know, pretty good weight advantage, I think on, on the guy, but um, that's probably not a, something for me to brag about at this point in my life, but uh, but yeah, yeah, we're not going to do that. But we are going to talk some baseball. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, Mark Topkin joins us now. And, and Mark, I'll start by saying this. The commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, uh, says that he's now not confident baseball is coming back in 2020. And as long as there is no dialogue, that that risk is going to continue Although less than a week ago, he said unequivocally we're going to play Major League Baseball this year and peg the likelihood at 100%. So why the two statements? What has, what has transpired or not transpired to make him feel that way? 
Let me get my flip flops and then I can answer you. <laughs> um, I mean, this is, uh, I, I think this is just another part of the negotiating uh, methodology ployed. It's probably a little bit more pointed word putting it that way. But yeah, I mean, they're not done. They're not ready to play. Even if Rob Manfred wants to implement the 54 game schedule, which would probably be the low end, which he, he has the right to do if they pay the players their full amount, the prorated amount that was agreed to in March. But uh, to do that, they have to have an agreement on health and safety protocols. They have to have a final agreement on things like rule, you know, rules of play, all that kind of stuff, roster side, if there's going to be a trading deadline, I mean, all those kind of weird things. But also the new, new kind of a new wrinkle today is that he wants the union to basically give up their right to sue if it doesn't work out right. Mm. And the, the part of that is because there, there was some saber rattling over the weekend uh, from the union's main negotiator that, you know, they're going to slap the owners with a grievance. They think they can get a billion dollars and it's going to be premised on the owners not negotiating in good faith to play as many games as possible. So the scenario that, that uh, Manfred laid out was that, you know, they're told as soon as they were to announce there's going to be a season that the union's going to throw this grievance at them with the potential for these, you know, incredibly high losses so that he wants the promise for them not to do it. Uh, there was some interesting reaction from some players, Trevor Bauer, who's like the gift that just keeps on giving uh, in terms of his commentary on every issue facing baseball, just went after Manfred in a string of tweets and said this is clearly a ploy to drag it out, to stall, to get to where there's only going to be about 60 days left to play baseball and then say, hey, there's only about 60 days left. Best we can do is 54 games. Sorry about that, guys. Mm. Uh, as opposed to if they put that 54-game season into effect now when there's you know 70 or so days uh, which they could probably get you know games in once they got through a training camp and everything before the projected end of the season day. So lots of accusations, Rick. Uh, not a lot of direct talk. It's actually been over a week since the owners and players have had a face-to-face -face or Zoom-to-Zoom, when you call it that way, screen-to-screen. -screen. I don't even know what the, the new uh, terminology is, the new lexicon. But mm -hmm. since they talk to each other, it's been over a week, and um, that's not a way to get a deal done. I think anybody knows that. Yeah, these terms that, uh, that that fly around on both sides, this is when you know things aren't going well, is when, when they keep using the term um, not negotiating in good faith. That's That's sort of uh, language for a potential lawsuit on, on one side or the other. So there's obviously a distrust. And, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I think that at minimum, this is going to be hard to, to reconcile if there's no face-to-face -face talks uh, or Zoom-to-Zoom, -Zoom, what have you. I was surprised that Manfred said that they had not had any, any talks like that since a week ago Sunday. I mean, that's a long time when you're in this, this position that they're in now. Yeah, because I think, you know, look, I mean, as journalists, we, we always want to get the scoop. We want stuff to get out there. But, I mean, they, they seem more concerned about how they're leaking stuff out to uh, whomever mm -hmm. they are leaking it to and, and, you know, whatever, whichever way they go than they are with talking to each other. Yeah, I mean, I've heard from some player agents and, and actually from a player as well that uh, at some point in this process, I forget which, which exchange it was, but that the owners sent something out and, and players like hadn't even gotten, you know, maybe like at the end of the alphabet, if they, you know, the emails go out in the group session, like they hadn't even gotten all of them gotten the email yet, you know, or at least the, the union version of it, the union, you know, gets it and then sends the players a notice right away. Hey, here's what we got. And yeah. you know, it was already leaked out to the media. Now they're leaking the letters that each side is sending each other. So, 
Either this mm-hmm. should just become full transparency, like make it pay per view. You know, you pay a little fee, you log in, you get to see every document, <laughs> and every and every comment people make. Or they probably need to just stop worrying about trying to win the battle of uh, public opinion and win the battle of getting this thing settled and get the players back on the field. Yeah. The players have, have been pretty consistent um, that they want to get paid for the number of games they play and that obviously they would like that number of games to be as, as high as possible. And so therefore uh, the, the belief that maybe baseball is, st- is stalling to get that, to get those games down. Um, but, but I mean, as far as like the pro rata, as far as pro rating salaries, it, it looks like baseball is at least agreeable to that. Is that a, is that a starting point? I think they are at that 54 game or so number, somewhere in that 50 to 60 range number. I think that they will pay them their full amount there. What, what, what baseball, I think, has been trying to do, and, and people have complained that they just keep you know repackaging the same offer. You know, okay, you don't like six yeah. of these. How about six of the other? And yeah. Okay, how about if we give you a half dozen instead? Or how about <laughs> if we give you these three and these three together, and you can take them both? You know, like they keep repackaging the same thing. But I, it seems like the owners have basically thought, you know, this is, there's a certain amount we're going to pay. We want to pay about 70 to 80% of what the full pro rata would be. And they're packaging it in different ways to the players. Like, you can have this over 50 games. You can have it over 60 games. You can have it over 70 games. You yeah, can have it where you share money. in the postseason. You can have it where we expand the postseason, and we'll give you a share of that and, and throw a little bit on top. But they just don't want to pay them their full amount. And, and you know, I'm not going to put it all on the owners because the players – have also been, you know, adamant that this is what we're getting, and there seems to be a fair question over what it was they actually agreed to in this March uh, yeah. discussion, this March agreement. That doctrine was done under incredible duress. That's when spring training camps had just closed. Nobody knew if this was going to be a couple week thing or a couple month thing, or now it's turned out to be a three plus month thing. No one knew mm-hmm. how big the virus was going to be, how much it would impact the game, the people, the businesses, you know, the staffs, everything. No one had any idea, so they made that agreement worded it generally on purpose and now it's subject to a lot of interpretation where the owners say it was made presuming there would be fans and since there won't be fans thus no revenue no beer no parking no tickets no concessions all that stuff they want a discount they want to pay the players less well and you know that's an an obvious position for the owners the the fact of the matter is from the player's standpoint i mean they've never had revenue sharing per se um and and so you know, yeah, it's a pandemic, and and they certainly would would be at a loss of revenue if there's no fans in the stands. That said, um, you know, when when a, a given team draws four million people, they don't pay the players more. In other words, those salaries are negotiated, you know, individual and and separate from whatever potential revenues that a certain team may or may not have. So, I mean, you can kind of understand the players' you know point of view is that we get played, we get paid to play the game. I'm also wondering too, Mark how how much how much is safety a big part of this on the part of the players? In other words, I mean they have to come up with the protocols. They haven't negotiated those yet, but you've talked to some players. Are are there concerns, real concerns about just how they're going to do this and how safe the game will be? Well, I think we know where Blake Snell stands on this, Rick, and we've <laughs> talked true. about his uh, his famous rant and, and how it led me to spend 70 minutes of my life watching a Twitch stream I'll never get back uh, <laughs> to make sure his, his talking about getting the Rona was, was not taken out of context. But, I mean, are, are players in general concerned about the health and safety aspects of this? Absolutely. Are there some that are truly, legitimately, you know, have, have reasons to be concern whether it's their own health or family matter health or children whatever it is absolutely 
But yeah. do, do I think the average player, average healthy player, is singularly concerned about that? I don't. I, I think that you yeah. know the the finances are the bigger issue. I mean, I do think, and baseball did a lot of work. I mean, there was a you know this was, seems like months ago now the sixty-seven page document that MLB came up with that covered every aspect that you could you could imagine for health and safety and. You know, the expectation is some of that will be, be peeled back that the players have crossed some of those things out, like, you know, not being allowed to leave the hotels on the road at all for meals, right. have to eat all the meals in the hotel, not being allowed to shower after games, only being allowed to take the team bus to and from the stadium, not being allowed mm-hmm. to ride with family or friends or anything like that, and not taking an Uber or a cab. I mean, you know, having to go at the same time and, and so many of those things. So I, I, I do think, you know, I don't want to mis, misportray that. I mean, they have negotiated a lot of the health and safety. In fact, the same night that uh, Commissioner Manfred said he was 100% sure they would have a season, he said they were, quote, very, very close, close quote, to wrapping up the health and safety agreement. So I do think most of that's in place. Uh, I do think they've had enough discussions about other things, like I said, roster size, rules of play, things like that. I think that stuff could get done. The commissioner's comments today were an attempt to get the union back to the table to try to get those things finalized so he can then implement a season. But also uh, with this new twist of wanting uh, some protection, some assurances, you know, a, a, a promise with no fingers crossed that they won't file a grievance after mm-hmm. he gets this in place. Bob Nightingale, who, you know, uh, reported that several major league players and coaches this like you said everything seems to leak out through the media at some point before really anyone finds out about it um or announces it have tested positive for COVID 19 could something like that depending on the 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 scope of that delay itself just part of the season yeah and and even before i answer that even that is subject to like isn't it curious that that leaked out like tonight like right when <laughs> yeah, the commissioner is. made his points and the union made their points and it sure. was in it was actually it was in one of the letters that was leaked it was in the letter i think from the wow. uh, mlb back to the union it was like buried wow. in like the 10th paragraph of that letter like oh by the way we also know there've been several guys who've tested positive and some coaches mm. uh, so the fact that that was leaked is also part of this because it's again shifting the dynamic of these talks but Sure. I mean, I, I, I'd be honest. I think that if you're Major League Baseball right now, apart from this this incredible animosity that you have with your players, and aside from the fact that you know you were criticized for your late response uh, follow, for the statement following the the death of George Floyd and, and you know social issues like that, it, you know, <laughs> they just have to get this figured out, and they're not getting there, and they're not getting they're not getting to the point where they're going to to have enough to salvage what's left of the season. And they have so many things going on, and now they have to be concerned that the virus is popping up again. So even if they get the rest of this figured out, you know, look what's going on right here in the Tampa Bay area. Arizona yeah. is is on red alert uh, in their hospital. Yeah. They told the hospitals to ramp up to maximum emergency room capability. They're running out of ventilators. Texas right. says that an increase of cases. These are all states that were aggressive in reopening without making this a political mm-hmm. you know discourse. Right. But it seems like we're seeing a cause and effect here. And if you're Major League Baseball, you may have to be concerned about that, too, because just to, to, I mean, let's be realistic here. What if they get everything else done? What if by the end of the week, somehow the union and Manfred and the owners figure it out, they find a middle ground, you know, they 65 games, full pay, but they do the expanded playoffs, whatever happens to work. And then the, the coronavirus and COVID virus, uh, COVID cases are up so high that they can't play in some of these cities. And now they're back to thinking about bubble cities or something. So. There's no, there's no clear finish line here. They can't even get what's the hard part now, and they're still part of it. They can't control. 
Yeah, and I, I read, you know, I think football was talking about this, how, you know, you can't, you know, prepare, uh, you know, to, to find a way to, you know, to play baseball, you know, around the virus. You, you're going to, you know, in other words, the virus is here. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to have to figure out a way to play with it. And uh, I think that's, that's hard for all the leagues. And you're right. All this, all this rancor and everything could go out the window just based on what, what science and what medicine does and what, what happens with the spikes and, um, and the overcrowding of hospitals and things like that. So that, that all is still, is still there. That is not going away. And in fact, could be getting worse for them. I just, there seems to be something about this sport in particular, Mark. And look, every sport has had labor strife, right? I mean, all of them. Um, the NFL, certainly, uh, even the NBA, some players were squawking about whether they should come back or not. And the fact is, we haven't seen a sport come back other than golf and auto racing. Some talk about the WNBA. Um, we'll see what all these sports are able to do. But baseball in particular seems to have a divide uh, or a or a, a bigger divide for whatever reason. And, and the bottom line is they don't have a CBA for next year, but the optics of this mark with money is at stake. I mean, there is money. There is still money to be made. Yes, there's money to be lost too by the owners, I'm sure. But with the unemployment, with what's going on, with the pandemic, with what baseball could have done or could do um, in terms of you know helping society get through this period if they're able to play, I mean, all that's important, right? I mean, for whatever reason, baseball has just always struggled in this area. You know, it, it used to be the national pastime, Rick. It used to be the grand old game. And, and yeah. um, I made a reference in a story I wrote the other day for the Tampa Bay Times that, you know, if, if you want to be a romanticist about this, and, and yeah. I mean, aside from this, you're known as the office romanticist. So I am. I'm sure this yeah. touches you deeply. <laughs> in but, a big way. <laughs> you know, the, there's a chance here for, for baseball to kind of provide the emotional rescue that people need. I mean, it's the sport yeah. that if you do follow it, it, it grips you. It's Absolutely. a daily soap opera. It's an every night thing. The twists and turns, you know, right. the pace, the slow pace that some people criticize allows you to think along. You know, we we can think we know a play that the, the Bucks are going to call in that hurry up offense, but it's hard enough to kind of keep track as they're playing. You know, you're like mm-hmm. run, pass, throw. But I mean, you can think along pitch by pitch with baseball. You can think along batter by batter. You know, sure. and everybody's played baseball. You don't have to be overly strong or overly fast or overly big. Mm-hmm. When you're a kid, everybody plays baseball, so everyone feels like they can do it. And, you know, there's just that attachment, or at least there used to be, and I think that's why it resonates with people. But they can't get labor stuff right. I mean, they've had actually a record amount of labor peace, and it still feels like there's been so much acrimony. I mean, you know, they've got an arbitration system where the teams come into a room and they dump on the players, and the players have to sit there and hear them get hear themselves get run down by their own bosses or lawyers hired by their bosses as to why yeah. they should or shouldn't get paid a certain amount of money. You have free agents that, that get to free agency and get no offers or get the identical offers, and then when they bring up collusion, they get laughed at by the owners. There's so many things, so many flaws in their economic system. Uh, and then when it does come to some point like this, a point of contention, obviously an unforeseen circumstance, a, a you know a tragic circumstance with the virus and the impact of it, they they certainly can't get out of each other's way. Well, you and I can relate to uh, being told we're not worth the money. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so I think I can relate to Major League Baseball when it comes to that. Um, listen, I, I, you remember, um, all too well, I'm sure, uh, when you were covering baseball, even, uh, several years before the Rays began their existence, uh, there was a season where it was canceled, where there was no world series. Um, you remember that time 
how similar is this? What, what would the scale be if, 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 if in this atmosphere they don't play a season? What was the damage then, and, and what would it take to, to get those fans you know, back on board? You know, it's it's a good question, Rick, because I I might make the case at least you know with you just popping this on me now. We I didn't go over it in the the pre production meeting, and the catering <laughs> wasn't good, Steve. By the way, and then all that, and, you know. Right. But j- just hearing you ask me that, I mean, I don't know if the damage will be as bad this time because people have been through it before. I mean, yeah, when, it, when there was no World Series in 1994, it was it was stunning. It was yeah. everyone yeah. thought there's no way they'll drive off that cliff, and they yeah. drove off that cliff. And everybody yeah. watched him go. Kept thinking, "No, there's it's it's a trick. It's not going to happen. They're going to figure it out." And I remember just this bizarre sense of how did this happen? How could they ever do this? They they're too smart to be that dumb kind of attitude. But yeah. I I think they lost a lot of people then. I know that you know they tried to get some people back, and and we were talking earlier about the McGuire Sosa home run race and how that did try right. to you know bring baseball back and, and to a to a point did in '98, but. There were people that just kind of gave up on baseball through that 94-95 mess, and, and I think the fact that they did it once, nobody would be as shocked this time, and, and especially because it'll be tied in as, you know, it'll just get lumped in with the coronavirus impact, even though, yeah. you know, I, I think, to be fair, it should be a separate issue because these guys could have resolved everything else and, and mm-hmm. played the season or at least been in place to play it, barring the, the virus coming back stronger. That's right. It, it will definitely still be under that umbrella, but um, but opportunity was and still is there. I suppose um, you mentioned, and I mentioned before we went on. Uh, you know, obviously ESPN did the thirty for thirty on McGuire and Sosa. Uh, it was interesting that it was several years after that cancellation of the season, but uh, but in a way, it, it, it is still romanticized, as as you mentioned, um, maybe as a way that baseball came back, that it helped it helped you know rekindle interest um, with that home run race. And now, but we have context to that now, right? Um, with uh, whether those one or both of those guys were using performance enhancing, uh, stero- but you know what? It seemed as if at the time no one cared. You know what I mean? Like, what's your perspective now versus what it was when when you were when you were covering when you were living those events? Well, I, I mean, I think at the time there there was this this sense of uh, almost like a. I don't want to say it was like a witch hunt, but there was these rumors and there were rumors. And then it was finally like this, ah, gotcha kind of moment. And, you know, what Mark McGuire was doing at the time wasn't considered illegal. I mean, it wasn't, there weren't, there weren't rules prohibiting specifically what he was doing. And yet it became a, a, almost like a moralistic debate. You know, I I think what, what I have uh, changed in my opinion or the way my opinion has shifted over time is that at, at any snapshot moment, there's going to be people cheating. There always are people cheating in every, in a lot of things, not just in baseball. But there's always right. people trying to cheat, trying to find ways to do it. And there's no way to know. And, and that's kind of been a little bit of the principle and how I've shaped my opinion on who I voted for for the Hall of Fame. And I voted for both those guys, McGuire when he was on the ballot, and Barry Bonds is still on the, ba- uh, still on the ballot. Excuse me, Barry Bonds we've now talked about as still being on the ballot uh, in the future tense. Sosa right. I didn't vote for because he also got caught with a corked bat. I mean, it's it's a squiggly yeah. line, how you look at it. It was actually against the Rays, of all things. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to have context. And I think the context that I've kind of accepted is a lot of people are cheating and doing a lot of things uh, wrong that we don't know about. And a lot of people whom you have deified or glorified previously, you'd find out after the fact did things wrong. So I think you judge people on what they do on the field, and you have to accept the fact that maybe they all didn't get there 
the same way if they weren't caught. If they were caught, then I have I have a different feeling. So it, it's really hard to distinguish. But I think the, the long answer to your question is that time has made us all realize that not everybody not everybody was playing on a level playing field anyway, so we should appreciate the accomplishments these guys had. Yeah, and time's also making us realize that uh, there might be a memo from the commissioner to the New York Yankees that involves um, the stealing of signs, maybe not in a um, in a real time way, but but certainly using replay. Is it odd that the Yankees were one of the organizations that, or at least some players that were squawking the loudest about the Astros? There's a whole lot odd about that because <laughs> so there's this letter that uh, <laughs> supposedly. The Yankees are fight. Well, the Yankees are fighting desperately to keep it from becoming public through this court case brought by DraftKings, the, the kind of fantasy mm-hmm. gambling site. But yet, Yankee sources, quote unquote, are telling media there's no smoking gun in there. It's just some personal references to people that'll cause them personal personal embarrassment. Well, mm. every comment about this has just whet the appetite now of the, the gotcha police <laughs> to want to know what's in this letter. Who does it reference? How does it make them you know, embarrassed personally? If there's yeah. no smoking gun, then why are they so adamant on protecting it? But I do think the Astros players from some of their tweets were really enjoying seeing the Yankees stewing over this a little bit. So a little bit of turnabout is fair play there, I guess. Well, it's going to be fascinating couple of weeks for sure, and we're hoping that uh, that there's still plenty of time for baseball to come back because we all need it. Um, and uh, Mark Topkin uh, will be the one to follow on uh, TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times when he's not taking pictures of the most glorious sunsets from his home, probably in Tampa <laughs> Bay. We're all jealous of that, by the way. Hey, you're welcome to come by, man. You come by, we can hang out. Yeah, I'm waiting on the invite. You know, I'm not just going to show up to the door, but you know, I will be there. Plus, there is there is a guard. I would have to tell him you're coming. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a smart move. That's why you're a veteran. Have that guard. Make somebody. (laughs) Don't let anybody surprise you by a knock on the door. He's Mark Topkin. You can read him in the Tampa Bay Times, and uh, we're uh, we're expecting to read about baseball here soon. Thanks, Mark. All right, man. Anytime. All right, again, my thanks to Mark. We will work on the catering budget. Uh, it hasn't been what we had hoped of late, but uh, let's see if we can do something with that and get a little better food in here. Hey, tomorrow, Tom Jones, my wrestling buddy, will be on the podcast really for the next two days, so you can't get enough of TJ, and I uh, want to make sure you join us for that. And then, of course, later in the week, we're going to have our popular and requested mailbag segment so you can get your questions in, and uh, you don't have to wait to do that. You can send them to us on Twitter at, NF, at NFL Stroud is my Twitter address. At Sports Day TV would probably be the best location for that is our uh, Twitter address for the for the podcast. And then you can also email me if you prefer. Um, it's at, let's see, rstroud at tampabay.com. Well, yeah, that would be my email if you want to do that. So Tom Jones t- uh, tomorrow and uh, mailbag later this week. So for Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.